y'all, this is Betsy Orton with the Dickey Foundation, and you're listening to Dickey's Doing Good, the podcast where we tell good stories about good people doing good things in their community. I'm thrilled because my guest today is Sergeant Arturo Martinez with the Dallas Police Department. He's an 11-year veteran with the department and was one of the organizers for the first of its kind Blue for Black Lives Matter protest in March in Dallas, which was a unified effort between the Black Police Association and the National Latino Law Enforcement Organization. Arturo is one of DPD's Latino community liaison officers and the UNIDOS coordinator. This program provides assistance to the Spanish-speaking residents in the Dallas area. He's also on the board of the directors for the National Latino Law Enforcement Organization Greater Dallas Chapter. And before joining the department, he's also served as part of the U.S. Army. Thank you so much for joining me today, Arturo. Hey, how you doing today? Thank you for having me here today. I um, appreciate you. We're thrilled that you could t give us some time. So for those who don't know you quite as well as I do, tell us a little bit about yourself, your law enforcement career, and how you came to be where you are today. That's extremely complicated, the way, the way that kind of came about. <laughs> I guess we'll have to work from today backwards. Um, right now, I'm a sergeant in patrol, Northeast Substation. Um, I promoted back in August of 2020. Congratulations. I appreciate it. Yeah, so but right before that, I was a detective slash senior corporal. It's kind of the same rank. It's just different because one detects stuff, uh, <laughs> right? Um, so when I was doing, before I promoted, um, I was doing community liaison work. Um, I was mostly focused on that. Um, before that, I was in the sex offender apprehension unit. Before that, I was in the child abuse unit as a detective as well. And before that, I was in patrol. So it, it's it's been a... It's been a fruitful 11 years of me being a police officer, so it, it's doing good. And then spent it. some time in the U.S. Army before that. So I was in the Army. Um, I joined 2000, March 2004, did reserve time that l overlapped my DPD time all the way to March 2014. So Wonderful. yeah, one tour in Iraq, 2008, 2009. Thank you so much for your service and your continued service. I to appreciate the it. Thank you. Thank you. So what has been the best thing about being part of law enforcement? being part of law enforcement the best part of it wow that's so that that's that's multifaceted it's like there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of best to be honest with you um one of the best ones though is just kind of being able to be on the other side of the truth does that make any sense explain a little bit <laughs> <laughs> on the other side of the truth you know there's multiple there's multiple sides of, of of everybody's truths and being a police officer and still being a part of the community and being from the community and still living in the community, I get to hear and see everybody's truths. And when I say the other side, well, if you're on one side, the other side is the other side. And if you're on the other side, the other side is the other side. So I so get true. to see every single aspect of all life, whether something as base as daily living all the way to criminal, to legislative, political aspects of all life. I get to see it, I get to be a part of it, and I get to play it, you know, play the game, I guess. <laughs> well, it's like you say, there's three sides to every story. There's yeah. he said, she said, and the truth. Yeah, and I get to hear all of it. And it's 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 been fun, I get to be a part of it. And I get to navigate that the best way I see fit to get where I need to be for my people. And myself, obviously, family, friends. Absolutely. So, and I know that's a it's a complex way to say it, but that's just what I believe. Yeah, that, that's a perfectly good answer. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think is the most misunderstood thing about law enforcement? Misunderstood thing about law enforcement. That's a complex one, too. Um, so it's kind of the same as my previous answer, almost, to be honest with you. It's 
we have trouble explaining our truth, right? And it's really hard considering media platforms having different um, agendas, I guess is the word. You know, you got, this is where the politics come into play. It's really difficult to explain our politics and reasonings as to why we do certain things when the public has that in their mindset that, hey, they pay, they pay taxes, they pay for us, therefore we should work for them. So it gets really complicated when it comes to why we do what we do and th just policing in general, you know, it's just, it's, it's hard and complicated and it's hard to explain yourself when something goes bad. Well, and you, you've certainly seen a lot in 11 years, but kind of specifically 2020 was a weird year for everyone. Uh, we had the opportunity to meet because yeah. you were putting together uh, the Blue for Black Lives Matter yeah. um, march and, and protest, which yeah. was, was was a wonderful event. And we were fortunate to be a, be a part of that, to be there to support. But talk to me a little bit about that and kind of putting that together. And I, I think, I mean, I know you went through a lot putting it together, but oh, yeah. you also faced some criticism <laughs> that went along with that. Yeah. So, so this, it all ties into each other. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, it's, it's being on the other side. Well, that day I was on the other side as if I was against my own and my own being police officers. Um, there was a lot of officers that felt some kind of way about that march. And what I mean by that is there, there were some that till this day still give me side eyes. They're never going to say anything because to speak out against that march basically affirms everything that I said. So it's kind it's kind of a, a, a difficult it's it's really hard to go against that march when you are against it because if you do well then you just prove my point you see so so there there's the difficulty in that but you can see it and you can feel it a lot um, and that was hard to go against you know other officers because you know at the end of the day I'm still a cop and I still believe in law and order and all that fun stuff but I also believe in my people and what the true message and what it is that police officers are here to do. So it was hard. It, it was extremely difficult. Um, I almost didn't get promoted off of it. Wow. Yeah. There were some officers out there that felt some kind of way off of it and complained on me. And yeah, it was, yeah, it, 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 it got bumpy there, to be honest with you. That's because, shocking. Yeah. I mean, and I, you know, yeah. as, as a Hispanic <laughs> man who is also a, a police officer, yeah. I mean, that, that is remarkable. And yeah. I mean, the fact that, that the Latino law enforcement and the black police association were able to come together yeah. to do this, to really take a stand, because I mean, as they say, as the saying goes, you know, there's no one who hates a bad cop more than yeah. a good cop. And, and so everyone was invited to that table. Everyone was invited to that event and it's hard to stand against your own being police officers. But at the same time, there was other officers, mainly minority officers, brown and black officers, that 100% supported it. And you saw it, you know what I mean? You saw the people marching with us. You saw the people there supporting it and posting it. If they couldn't make it, they reposted it. Um, so it was, it was two sides of the coin. There was a lot of people that did not like what I did. And there was a lot of people that absolutely loved it. And the beauty behind that march was it kind of spoke for that minority of people that do wholly support both sides. And, and that's the base message that I tried to spread when I made that was you can back the blue and believe that black lives matter. It's they're, they're, they're not they're not exclusive. You know what I mean? You, you can do both. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like me, like, you know, it's a little personal. I've voted Republican and Democrat. I've gone both ways. You see what I'm saying? 
I voted for Bush and Obama. Like, <laughs> just being honest with you, you know what I'm saying? I voted for both, you know? And and it blows people's minds that, well, you don't have to ride just one side. You can bounce back and forth and follow whoever believes what you believe as close as you do. Because the only way to get someone to believe what you believe is to run yourself. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But that march, what it exposed was a lot of people that do both and it's unfortunate that they don't i don't say they but it's a for it's unfortunate that there are people out there that don't have that voice that that what do you call it the uh the bullhorn that can speak up on that because they get chastised by both sides and it, it's it a lot of people have that mindset when they're too far to the left and too far to the right and they say things like well if you're not with me you're against me and you've got both sides saying the same thing. So that alienates a large group of people that are like, well, I kind of believe in both sides. Like they, they both matter to me. So they just kind of stay quiet in the background and don't really follow either one. And that March really, it allowed a lot of people to expose themselves and say, hey, I back the blue and I believe Black Lives Matter, you know? And I, I do understand the arguments that people had behind that March, you know? You know, the, back the blue side the hardcore I mean, let me call it hardcore back the blues hardcore back the blues thin blue line people they were like well black lives matter is it's a far left association and they believe in abolishing police and i was like oh hold on hold on there's a difference between the ideology that black lives matter and there's a difference between that and black lives matter llc those are two completely different entities one is ideology the other one is a is a platform it's it's a physical entity that you can mail something to the other one is just an idea and i believe the problem with that when it comes to vernacular and stuff like that people have a hard time differentiating between the two and even in black lives matter llc they spoke out and they're like whoa you don't you don't march for us and i was like nah calm down like it's <laughs> <laughs> so they reached out to you about the march they didn't people that kind of um what's the word they follow them like i wouldn't call it, they weren't representatives people from the top didn't reach out it was just people that support you know the the entity they're like well we don't support you they like, oh that that's fine that's perfectly fine but you can't you know you can't sit there and trademark a whole phrase you know what i mean like it's like somebody going out there and trademarking all lives matter it's like oh, all right y'all are so here we go you know you're gonna get a trademark back to blue now you're gonna you're gonna trademark them like you know so and then that's so those people they're the ones that kind of reached out and they commented on my stuff and they like, well, we don't support you if you really want to help us then help us abolish the police i was like oh yeah, here we go you're, you're too far man you you've gone you've gone too far that way you need you need to come back towards the middle and let's talk well, and, and I mean, to and, your point, and that's, and that's where we are. We, we, I'm trying to bring everybody in. It's like, all right, you're, you're too far that way. Hey, you on the other side, you're too far that way. Let's reel both of y'all in, sit you guys down and talk to each other without yelling and fighting. Well, and to your point, I mean, you, you're, you were incredibly brave and in taking yeah. a stand because you said, you know, I, it's okay. I, I can su support, I can back the blue and I can believe that black lives matter. Yeah. And you, you know, you really uh, were able to put together an event that, that supported that. I mean, you had the support of the police chief, support yeah. of the mayor, um, support of a lot of folks in the I community. And, so. and, and I appreciated it, you know, and it just, it proved my point, like I said it. And to speak out against it proves the points that I was talking about. 
And there was, like I said, there's people out there that complained on me about it. I almost didn't get promoted off of it. I said my points when I went and did what I had to do and I still got promoted. And at the end of the day, they get to see me now and, you know, just kind of, you know, just bite their cheeks and just move about their day because they failed. So, well, and you said now because you've been promoted, you're back, promoted, on, you're back yeah. on patrol now. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm cool <laughs> and I'm cool with it. And, you know, I've, I've, honestly, patrol is fun. Is it? What? Talk to me fun. about it. Why, why is fun. patrol so much fun? It's, it's, okay. Most people, their days are structured. They got their nine to five. They wake up, they fight traffic, they go to work, they get their coffee, they talk around the water cooler, they check their emails, they think about lunch, they do whatever it is they gotta do, they go home, they fight traffic. It's very structured, every day is the same, it gets boring, you know, you're dealing with office politics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Being in patrol is, it's, it's an adventure, you know, it's, every day is different. Every day is the same in the aspect that it's structured when I get here, I do detail, I get my car and I go out. Now that's where the fun part is. Cause you go out there and one day it's wrecks all day. Another day it's running and gunning, shooting, stabbings, you know, active shooters. Another day it's boring and there's nothing going on. And it just, every day is different. You know, just, you know, was it yesterday I worked a shooting and it happened early on in the shift. Next thing you know, it's 7.30, it's time to go home. And I was like, oh, wow, it's time to go home. I was like, it, it, it just, every day's different. It moves fast. The only bad thing about that is it kind of moves too fast. You know, my, my days and weeks kind of jumble into each other. So you hear me talking about the other day and the other day is actually like six months ago. I was like, oh yeah, man, the other day I had this one deal. And then they're like, oh, when was that? I was like, ah, like back in December, I think. It's like, dude, that was five <laughs> months ago. What are you talking about the other day? And that's the only bad thing about being that fast paced, but patrol is fun. You know, it's, you go out there and you're legitimately helping people. And one day the criminals, you know, the criminal and the next day the criminals, you're complaining because he got robbed by someone else. And it's just, it's just, every day is different. It's, it's a blast, honestly. And you know, you're really out there helping people, you know, Absolutely. And, yeah. and, and you can really do what you want. You know, if, if you're, you know, there's guys out there that a lot of times people don't understand this about Dallas PD and most cops in general, is we all have the catalyst that brought us to where we're at. Um, there's guys out there, you know, maybe they have an uncle, brother, sister, mom, parent, family member, they got killed by a DWI driver. Well, now all they do and their whole purpose of living and being a cop is to do DUIs every single day and all they do is hunt down DUIs. There's guys like that. There are guys out there that their passion is dogs and they take all the animal control calls and they go out there. Like I have two of those on my Facebook. Every stray dog they come across, they put them in the squad car and they drive them to SPCA. <laughs> like, and you know, there are guys like that. They, they have their, what they love and they get to go out there and actually do something about it. Now, obviously it's, you know, you're picking one grape at a time in, in the grapevine, but it's still, you do it enough, you still got a whole bushel, right? You still got enough to eat yourself and, and have something to show for it. You'll never pick the whole grapevine, but you'll still have, you, you'll have your bunch, right? So, and, and that's how a lot of these guys act. You know, you do one call a day, one at a time, one dog a day, one DUI, one sex offender, one murderer, one dope fiend, one dope boy. It's one at a time, you know? And that's the beauty of patrol that a lot of guys don't see. They don't see the big picture. They, all they see is what they're doing in front of them and they don't pay attention to anybody else. So 
sometimes you just got to open their eyes and you know you got to explain that to them hey man you're making a difference you just you don't realize it you just don't see it so what's your catalyst what's your passion my catalyst all right so my catalyst i'm born and raised in oak cliff my catalyst um can we curse no i'm not gonna curse (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna gonna curse today so my catalyst i was 17 17 years old um and this is all gonna tie back to blue for black lives matter so 17 years old prior to december of 2000 what year was this what year was i 17 it was like 2004 i guess 2003 2004 so young right yeah (laughs) so whenever that was right so um december of 2004 no it actually had to be 2003 because i joined the army march 2004 so december 2003 i was 17 um prior to that date whatever that date was i was on the wrong side of the law it was 100 percent f the police that's who i was that's what it was all about you know i i did my good grades i showed up for my mom but when my mom left me at school it was it was a light switch it was a whole different person hmm. and so that's where i was growing up you know I, I was that kid um it's funny because on the board of anleo the national latino law enforcement there are two officers that they were they're both sergeants but they used to work at the schools when I went to school there, right? <laughs> so I, I I poked them all the time and I'm like, man, Rocky, I don't know how many times you sprayed me while I was in high school. OC sprayed like, cause we're fighting. I don't know how many times you sprayed me, man. Same thing with George, man, I don't know how many times you jacked me up when I was in high school. And you know, and looking at it now, now we're colleagues and now we're friends and this and that. But 20 years ago, I was that kid that they were chasing after. Well, come December, 2003, there was a white officer who pulled us over and we were doing stuff we weren't supposed to do. And our, the story's funny, you know, it's, it's funny if you can see it, but <laughs> back then they had, oh, I don't even know what to call them. I think they're called, I don't know what they're called. They're called, they're not ass, they're not batons, but they're like, they're, they're like an L-shaped stick. It was a long wooden stick. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I'm not really sure what they're called. Whatever they're called. Um, I think they're called asp. I don't know. But there's like this long wooden stick. It weighs like two pounds, super heavy. It's that old old school cop stick that they have from back in the day. Well, um, he pulls that out. He's like, what am I going to do with y'all? And he smacked me on the leg. And he goes to my cousin. And he goes, and you too. You're not even supposed to be out here. You're like 15. Smacks him on the leg. And we're just like, man, just let us go home. And he's like, you know, you can go to big boy jail. He was talking to me because I was 17. I can go to, I could go to Dallas County jail. You can go to big boy jail and you, you're, you're going to Lee taught, which was, you know, juvenile, juvenile jail. And we're like, you know, obviously being the little trying to, trying to act hard. Right. <laughs> so we're trying to act hard. We're just like, man, we ain't scared. That's whatever. So, but deep down inside, I'm like, man, I need to call my mom man, I want to go home, but we can't show that you can't show weakness in front of your friends. Right. You know, and, and, you know, we know that. You know, growing up, growing up in that atmosphere, you know, we got to act harder on our friends, but deep down inside, we're scared. So he smacks me on the leg, smacks my cousin on the leg with that stick. He's like, what am I going to do with y'all? And we were like, you know, shrug our shoulders. It's whatever. What do you want to do? He's like, you want to go home? We're like, yeah. Where do you live? On Gilpin. That's where my cousin lived. Well, he's on Gilpin. So he said, I'm going to follow y'all home. If you come out again, I'm taking you in. If you don't, we're good. Just that simple. 
So I jumped in my 98 Thunderbird that my mom had. <laughs> it was my mom's car. She let me use the car that day. 98 Thunderbird. Uh, drove over the little half mile to my cousin's house and we stayed there. And when I tell you one day to the next, like if you were a smoker, you'd be proud. Like if you were an alcoholic, you'd be put one day to the next, cold turkey. Man, the next day I was like, I'm gonna join the army, bro. <laughs> so my cousin's like, my cousin was like 15, 16 at the time. He was like, whatever, man. So literally that day to the next, actually it was the Marines. I was like, man, I'm gonna join the Marines, bro. So one day to the next, light switch, completely turned it off. He gave me a second chance. I took that second chance and I ran with it. When I tell you I ran with it, that was December, January, February, March. Late February, I was talking to a recruiter. Middle of March, I was in the army. But the way that happened was I was, I wanted to be a Marine, but the Marine recruiter wouldn't talk to me. Cause at the time, white tee, I was wearing baggy jeans, Air Force Ones. I look like a little thug. I'm not gonna lie. I look, I look like a little thug. I was a little hoodlum. I, you know, I, I go up to the Marine recruiter with my, with my, with my fade and my design in my hair and my edge up. I had my fade, my design in my hair, my edge up, white tee, bag of jeans and, and, and my Air Force Ones. I'm talking to his recruiter like, hey man, I want to join the Marines. He's looking at me and I'm looking at him and he's like, let me go talk to these jocks. So he goes back and talks to the football players and the basketball guys. I go over to the army guy and he's super nonchalant. He's like, you want to join? And I was like, yeah. He's like, all right, when? Soon? All right. Two weeks later, I'm in the army. Like it was that, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I was the easiest recruit of all time. Like, it sounds like yeah. it. You really flipped yeah. that switch That's, and turned over a new leaf. One day to the next. So I was in the army and, um, you know, I did that and then I get home, I come back from Iraq, all that fun stuff. And sure enough, you know, there was about that year long period of unemployment. And I had always wanted to be a cop based off of that interaction that I had with that officer that gave me the second chance. Right. So I was like, man, maybe I should be a cop. You know, at the time they didn't make the greatest money. And I was like, well, it's still way more money than I've ever had. Right. It didn't matter to me because <laughs> You know, that was still higher than anyone I knew ever. Paychecks made. a paycheck. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so back then they're like, man, they don't make nothing. I was like, shoot, more than my dad makes. What are you talking about? Right. So it was nothing to me. So I literally, it was all my eggs in one basket. DPD. I mean, I'm from Oak Cliff. Why not patrol Oak Cliff? Later on, I come to find out it doesn't work like that. You know, you don't get to go where you want. You go where they send you. So I found that out the hard way a year and a half later. But yeah, so sure enough, I joined up and I, you know, I want to patrol Cliff and, you know, let's make a difference. Let's see if I can, you know, do something different. You know, growing up, I wanted to be a homicide detective, you know, because I knew, you know, my first time my house got shut up, I was five years old. That was the first time I was in a drive-by at the age of five. Yeah. And you just said first time. First time. Yeah, that was the first one. That's the first one. Wow. <laughs> so... From that point forward, all the way until 18, 19, even now, you know, I've known someone every year to get killed, you know, whether it was homicide or, or get raped or get robbed or get burglarized. I've always known someone every year, something terrible went down, right? So I mean, I want to be a homicide detective. Well, that turned into, well, I want to be a child abuse detective because that was more personal to me than homicide, honestly. Cause I knew more people growing up being abused than I did being murdered. You know, abuse was rampant. It was like, 
every 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 few weeks i learned about someone new oh her uncle raped her that's why she's in the counselor's office like you see what i'm saying and, and that's just that's just the atmosphere that we grew up in whereas a homicide was like it was like one every so often you know every, every few few weeks every few months we knew of someone new hey man um daniel got killed or hey man uh uh what was his name red got killed and it was just always someone different you know Chava got killed and it was just all every time was someone different was you know sex assaults was so-and-so 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 uncle dad stepdad it was it was always someone else so I transitioned that into wanting to be a child abuse detective or rape detective which ended up being child abuse so I took that and I ran with it I joined put all my eggs in one basket DPD hired on went through the academy came out they sent me to South Oak Cliff, which is close to Oak Cliff. It's close enough, you <laughs> it's know. Close. It's it's the same same type of people, you know. It's 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 the same environment, um, and I just bounced back and forth between that till I promoted to senior corporal. Promoted to senior corporal. Shortly thereafter, became a detective and went to child abuse exactly as I wanted to. And I haven't gone to homicide, but I mean, time's not over yet. I got another twenty years left. You never know. <laughs> so that's kind of the story of how I became DPD from knucklehead 16 17 year old to you know 17 years later here i am because one guy gave me a chance and i say that to say it ties into blue for black lives matter because of all the people that saved my life you know a lot of people say oh well white cops you know they're racist white cops are are evil they're institutionalized they're you know there's a lot of negative stereotypes that come across with officers especially white officers you know like yeah there, there's a history behind that yeah it, it, the reason for policing and why it was created there's a, there's a negative history there but that doesn't mean that here in 2021 or in 2004 in my case that there wasn't white officers that actually did care because at the end of the day it was a white officer that saved my life and put me where i'm at today so and, and and it's it's necessary to convey that thought and that information because you can't change somebody's mind without giving them a new perspective, you know, in their ideologies. You know, you can't change. I, I'll never. You, you won't ever necessarily agree with me or change your viewpoint to be like mine. But at the very least, I can have you understand it, and that's a lot better because understanding leads to ideological changes. So. That's what I try to do. I, I don't need you to side with me, but at the very least, understand where I'm coming from. And there's a lot of people out there that need that implanted in their head, especially the white officer thing. This is the white cop that gave me a chance. You know, it's it, there's a Latin officer that put me where I'm at today in, in terms of hiring me. And there's a black officer out there who's who's been my mentor this entire time that I've been on the department. So you got to you got to take away the racial aspect. And one thing that I tell people all the time and you know i've been i've been asked this multiple times and maybe you'll ask me but i like to bring it up while i'm kind of in that point is racism won't stop being an issue until racism is no longer an issue okay okay so race won't be an issue until race is no longer an issue and that's kind of a confusing point but what that's trying to say is until we can stop seeing color you have to see it you have to and that's where black lives matter comes in that's where immigration reform comes in that's where stop the asian hate comes in so until we can get people to see them acknowledge them and help and be there for them 
once everybody is satisfied in their struggle all right everybody's cool everybody's satisfied race is no longer an issue like <laughs> like, like you you kind of have to go down that path you know what i mean it's, it's kind of like check marks you know is it won't stop being an issue until it stops being an issue so you got you have to address them you can't ignore them you got to go to each one individually what's your problems all right how do we address it here's how we fix it here's how we can compromise because you got to remember we got immigration reform. We got stop the Asian hate. We've got trans issues. We've got LGBT LGBT issues that are different from trans issues. We've, you know, so you have to sit there and acknowledge everybody's plight first before we can stop and say, all right, is everybody cool? Cool? Race is no longer an issue. <laughs> we won, right? Now, whenever that happens, we're good. But until then, race is an issue and you have to address it. Thanks so much for listening to the first part of my interview with Sergeant Arturo Martinez with the Dallas Police Department. Please tune in next week to hear the second part of our interview. If you want more information about the Dickey Foundation, feel free to visit thedickeyfoundation.org. And if you want more information about some of our great owners and the great stories they're doing, please visit dickies.com. We look forward to seeing you next week where we'll continue sharing the good stories of good people doing good things in our community.